4: leaping to make the catch out of bounds he has it for six he's got a knee-high snap looking left now over the middle he pump fakes he rolls to his right with connor barwin pursuing he knocks him down the ball is thrown up in the air and batted away incomplete the rams defense clinches it goff will come on the field for victory formation The Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to LA this
5: January at the Coliseum. We not me versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions.
1: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower on another wonderful night for Rams podcasting. It's still a tour in the league. We're still moving around, talking to various teams. Tonight's show is the Colton Browns, two very interesting franchises in where they're sitting at now. Norm, how you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. How you doing? It's a wonderful day full of joy, cheer, or one day closer to football. Makes me happy. Maybe gives you a warm fuzzy. How about you?
5: Oh, I'm enjoying the thunder and lightning and the, the rain and the, you know the warm days and the cool evenings with all the the flashing lights and loud bangs. It's pretty cool.
1: Wait, weren't you the one who earlier complaining about Baltimore's or the Maryland area's humidity compared to your West Coast life?
5: Well, yeah, uh, that part of it really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> just just to put it out there, but uh, it is kind of cool. Uh, you don't see many thunderstorms in central in, in Western Oregon, and to come here and and have the the sky lighting up every night and. You know, feeling the house shake from the thunder and getting the cool rain after a hot day. It's all pretty cool, man.
1: Well, get used to it because it's going to be that way for another month or so. So, I'm just saying. I'm getting there. I'm just saying. All right, so before we really get knee-deep into our interviews today, we want to go ahead and ask you to head over to iTunes. We we could really use that five-star review if you think we've earned it, which hopefully by now we have. That five-star review will get you a great opportunity to – Win the $50 gift ticket for NFLshock.com. Also, subscribe there, too, as well. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM. Subscribe all those places. If you listen anywhere of those, please, subscribe. It really helps us out. Again, and don't forget, if you're in the L.A. area or just listen online, IEBRadio.com airs the show Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. All right, so appearing on today's show... As part of our tour in the league is Matt Dainley from SB Nation Stampede Blue. Also, he's the host of SB Colts cast. And he's an update on the rebuild going on in Indianapolis. Then, Jeff Risden, the managing editor over at USA Today's Browns Wire. Also, Texans Wire. keys everywhere. I keep mentioning that. I keep mentioning that tonight. He joins us to talk about what the Browns have done in one of their more eventful off-seasons in years. Before we get started, though, we want to thank one of our sponsors that makes our show possible. So, most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawks, Hollywood's team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team, from 1953 to 1957. As we approach Father's Day, check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter, and the story of spending geez, the whole entire 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hogg's book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. It's also available in hardback, Electronic form at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, also in various other booksellers across the internet. Everyone, I read this book from cover to cover. It's worth every penny. It's not expensive. It gives you a great view of Rams history in the 1950s, and it's also a great story about a father's, a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, folks, trust me. Read it. Check it out. Hollywood's team, grit, glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. All right, folks, we want to welcome Jeff Risden from the Browns Wire. Among many outlets, Jeff is all over the place, covering the Lions, covering the Texans. You are the connoisseur right now of football, Jeff. <laughs> welcome to talk to us today about the Browns. We have a, there's a, there's a lot going on. I'm in Northeast Ohio. My A large portion of my family are Browns fans. So even though I'm covering the Rams, I'm a Rams guy, there's a soft spot for the Browns and I'm kind of tired seeing this team get beat up.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, it it, re- it gets old real fast. A team that has tradition like they do, it gets old real, real fast. So I guess right away I want to ask you, what's the strategy in Cleveland here after an 0-16 season?
2: You know, they, they brought in, and, and I'm a Northeast Ohio native myself. My family is still all most in that area, and, and Browns fans too, and I hear about the struggle all the time. And uh, it's not fun. And one of the big things they're doing is they have essentially tried to recreate the Green Bay Packers organization uh, in, in Cleveland. They've, they've brought in John Dorsey as the GM. Uh, obviously he was with Kansas City bef- after he was with Green Bay, brought in Elliott Wolfe, brought in Alonzo Highsmith. They uh, have, have made quite a few changes to the the, the analytics mold of Sashi Brown is is out the window. Uh, not completely, but uh, enough that uh, they have football people making football decisions based on football in place now. And it seems like they have done a pretty good job of, of, of finding good football players to help the team. There, there's radical change. All the quarterbacks from last year are gone, even the, the fourth stringer. Uh, they brought four new guys in. Uh, two of them will, will play quite a bit, including Baker Mayfield at number one. And I think that's that's the the, the logical starting place is how much better they are by adding Tyrod Taylor, but then also adding the future promise uh, for, for when Taylor's gone after a year, he's on a one-year contract, of, uh, of having a guy like Baker Mayfield that can take over. Such a dynamic, uh, polarizing player. But uh, I think the polarizing can be a good thing because uh, he offers a lot of things that no Browns quarterback has had in quite some time.
5: Well, we certainly understand the struggle of not winning. Uh, we we were there with you for a long time. So, Derek's you know he's a depressed guy just because he followed the Rams and the Browns. But um, I'm kind of curious. It was it was kind of a shock that the Browns went with Baker Mayfield with the number one pick. Why did they go with him over Sam Donald and Josh Allen? You know, uh,
2: the the biggest thing is that he's he has the mentality. He's a winner. They love the fact that he walked on at Texas Tech, uh, but that wasn't good enough for him. Uh, he decided to walk on in Oklahoma. Most guys, when they transfer, they go downstream. Uh, he went upstream uh, and and did so in, in spectacular fashion. He's the, NF, the NCAA's all-time leading passing efficiency leader. That's pretty good for a six-foot-one walk-on at two different schools. He won the Heisman Trophy. He took Oklahoma to levels that that program hadn't been at in quite some time. And, and he did it with, with style and bravado and and outward confidence, You know, slamming the flag in the, the horseshoe at Ohio State. Uh, now that rubs a lot of Browns fans the wrong way because there's a lot of cross-pollination there between the Browns community and the Ohio State community. But it shows what kind of guy he is. And, and when you've got that guy leading your team, you you, you naturally fall in. You want to follow that guy. And that's not something that the Browns have had in quite some time. So I think the personality aspect, aside from the fact that he's a pretty darn good quarterback, too, uh, really played into it much more than, uh, than Darnold. I do think Darnold was a very serious consideration. But I, I, I think the, the combination of, Bate, of Mayfield doing what he did where he did it and in the context of how he did it, and also that he's more ready to play in the NFL right now, there's not a whole lot of, of tweaking to his game that you need uh Sam Darnold didn't throw at the combine because he was tweaking his throwing motion you don't have to worry about that with Baker Mayfield he's not you don't have to mechanically reconstruct him he's he's good out of the box now and I think that that was a great appeal too because if he's ready to play they'll get him on the field and I, I don't think they felt that way or as comfortable with that with with Darnold
1: well one thing as you know I am an Ohio State guy I went to Ohio State grew up in Ohio State football for him to come in plant the flag I know a lot of my buddies, a lot of my friends, they, they took that as an affront. And even and when the Browns took him, they left. They they said, you know what? This is it. This is the straw that brought the camel's back. I'm done with him. And then a few start coming back and getting over it, but I'm not sure how many actually will. To me <laughs> it, to me yeah. it's really if he comes in there and wins, it'll all be forgotten.
2: It will, and, and I do think that they gave a little bit of a goodwill bone by taking Denzel Ward with the second pick, the number four pick. Not that they needed to do that, but I. But they've the Browns have had this odd fascination of avoiding Ohio State players for quite some time. Uh, they haven't had a good one in forever. Uh, not probably since I don't know Tom Skladaney back in the day, um, back way back in the day. Uh, so it, it was kind of cool to see them, you know, dip in. He's a local guy, uh, and, and gives them some promise. the He's not necessarily the best pick at number four, but I think that there is a little bit of goodwill there. You know, had they taken a guy from Michigan at that point, uh, then all those Ohio State people would have been like like your friends and completely jumped off of it. And, you know, my dad is an Ohio State alum, and he he was not real happy with, with the choice of Baker Mayfield because of that. But he's sort of coming around on it. He's, his his take now is that he, he's figured out that it's not Johnny Manziel 2.0, which I think is is a very unfair criticism based strictly on, on the fact that you know he's he's a shorter guy who's who does a lot of things that you don't necessarily see in the NFL that worked in college, but uh, that that's pretty much the extent of it. They're so different from backgrounds to mentalities to to style of, of play and and how accurate they are. And, and you know I I think the I think there is a concentrated eff- effort by the Browns media to present Mayfield as being a guy that you should rally behind and that that you know they're trying to spin it into the you know the planting the flag was a good thing, and and some people are buying into it. It's slow. It's not going to be easy, and and it will be it'll be very helpful if he does something uh, very dramatic or good in a in a preseason game to to sort of you know bury that hatchet because there there is no love lost from a lot of fans on that.
1: There's not a whole lot in terms of all the media. I mean, Mary Kay Cabot comes out there, the, you know, when when he's doing his introductory interview, and she actually asks mayfield how he's going to react to not all the cameras being on him which is a ridiculous question I and mean, that that's that's some cleveland media for you it's not yes. all of them are backing up mayfield the,
2: the, the cleveland media is a, a very interesting beast and and i grew up with it um being influenced by it uh and uh I'm, let's just say i'm I'm proud to call myself a member of the michigan media now <laughs> wow <laughs> not 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 michigan university but I, I live in the state of michigan and uh I'm proud to uh, associate myself with, with Detroit and, and much more Grand Rapids media because uh, it's very different for Cleveland. There, there are some shakeups that need to happen in the media as well as with the organization that they cover, uh, and hopefully those are coming soon too.
5: <laughs> well, I'm certainly not an Ohio State fan, so the planning of the flag thing was a real highlight for me. And made me like Baker Mayfield even more. So I guess <laughs> I guess it might bring in Shut some new. Pl- <laughs> it, it might bring in some new Cleveland fans for that reason. <laughs> you know, all, all Ohio State had to do was win, and it wouldn't happen. So we can we can leave it at that. But <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm kind of curious. I mean, you guys had a ton of picks in the draft, obviously high picks. You know, with the one and four. My question is is Hugh Jackson, the guy to bring it all together and actually get him on the winning track? Cause I have my doubts about that. Uh, we all have our doubts about that. That's uh, that, that's,
2: that's the million dollar question right now. I he's uh, he's not inspired any realistic confidence or reason why you would believe that he can be the coach to do it. Uh, not in Cleveland. Anyways, if you go back to his time in Cincinnati when you worked with Andy Dalton and, and to a lesser extent, A.J. McCarran and got them to be a perennial playoff team with his offense. Uh, and if you go back to his Raiders days, he was a fairly successful coach given the circumstances in Oakland. But uh, Cleveland, he's 1-31, and, and while they haven't had the, the abundance of talent to compete, he's not helped his team in any of those situations either. He completely mishandled the quarterback situation a year ago, thought that he could, you know, insert Deshaun Kaiser because he, he authored a come from behind victory in their first preseason game against four string New Orleans Saints Scrubs most guys who weren't even in the league. And he clung to that. They got rid of their their veteran backups. So there this year everything is in place to protect Hugh from Hugh himself. Uh, will he be able to do that? Uh, th- that's a very good question. And I'm color me skeptical but but also hopeful that that he gets it because he is a likable guy. There's a reason why why he was such a popular hire. He's a good guy. I think people genuinely want to see him succeed. But uh, you'd have a hard time finding anybody in Cleveland who thinks that he's he's the right coach for the job at this point.
5: Well, 1-31, I mean, heck, I, I'm ready. I'll, I'll go coach in the NFL. I, I don't think I can do much worse than that. So I'll, I'll put my resume out right now. I mean, I just can't see it. It's... Cleveland's been amassing talent, you know, the last few years, and just becoming much better a- across the roster. And I just can't see how one win, you know, in the last 32 games, is going to be acceptable.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to see. They they brought in Todd Haley, a former head coach uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers, to run the offense this year. So Hugh is not running the offense; it's Todd Haley's offense. And even through, from the first rookie minicamp this past weekend, it's pretty clear that he is not running the offense anymore, which is a good thing. Uh, Greg Williams is still in charge of the defense, another guy with extensive coaching experience. Uh, we question how sane he was in in playing Jabril Peppers, a, a converted linebacker as an angel free safety, 25 yards off the line of scrimmage on first and ten, a lot. That's uh, hopefully that's something that goes away. But uh, you know, th- there, there's ample head coaching experience on his staff now and I think again they're, they're trying to protect Hugh from from screwing himself over uh, as best as they can uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, Haley and Williams are both pretty volatile dudes it'll be uh, that you could see uh, the, the old Jerry Glanville <laughs> Kevin McBride thing on the sideline uh, but uh, hope not but uh, you know Hughes I'm not I'm not confident that Hugh is going to finish the year as the head coach especially if they get off to a poor start and they actually have a manageable schedule. Schedule if they can get by Pittsburgh, uh, and they they won't beat Pittsburgh because they never beat Pittsburgh. But the two weeks two, three, and four they have legitimate shots at winning games. If they don't win any of those, or or you know get blown out, uh, especially if it's the Jets, then Hughes in very real trouble because they now have two different guys that they can say, hey, coach the team, uh, and, and with some reasonable degree of, of hoping that it'll get better.
1: Well, here's my issue with Hugh Jackson. My issue with him is that. When you put power in his hands, he doesn't know what to do with it. That's how he got blown out of Oakland. It's what we've seen with his battles with the front office in the last two years. And I just don't really have a lot of faith in him that he'll make the right in-game decisions as a head coach. I, I think he's great as an offensive coordinator. He's proven that time and again. But as a head coach, and I think things get a little bit too big for him. And that's why I have my doubts when it comes to Hugh Jackson. I, I wonder at this point... What the Browns were even thinking in bringing him back this year as the head coach? It doesn't make sense to me. There no. were other guys out there,
2: and you know, I don't think a lot of Browns fans, and I think there's a lot of players too, who wonder, you know, what is he? Why? Why is he still here after what he did? Uh, and uh, the, he's going to have to answer those questions for a long time. He has finally agreed to jump in Lake Erie. Uh, he he said he would do that. Uh, he's finally going to do it. He's going to do it for charity. It's actually a pretty cool story. Uh, a lot of fans are upset that he didn't do it in January when it was negative 10 outside, but, uh, you know, it's, it's better than nothing.
5: <laughs> well, I'll call him sane for not doing that, but... Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there's a thought, too, here with, with Hugh Jackson is, at this point, I, I normally I'm advocating the the big problem with how the Browns, over the course of many years, is they would give up on coaches too quickly, and they would give up on quarterbacks too quickly. They wouldn't develop anybody. And now oh, when it comes sure. to Jackson, I'm flipping on this. I'm going against my own grand thought here and saying there's no way on earth you bring back a guy who went one in thirty-one for a third year. You just can't do it. How do you justify that?
2: You know, I, I don't know. Um, and I think there were I think Hugh himself had to really, you know, agree to a lot of checks and controls and because you're right about the game management. He screwed up a lot of things last year. John Kaiser made a, a a ton of terrible decisions, but some of that was the fact that Hugh let him do that, and uh, from clock management for, to game management, um, you know, matchup management, that, that that's all been something that, that Hugh has definitely struggled with, and uh, I have to imagine that Dorsey and the and the new regime has a very short leash on him, and, and Hugh is certainly aware of that. He's he's not a dumb guy. He's just not a very good football coach. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> We're, we'll see how it works. Uh, th- th- there's a lot of people that are putting over unders on it. At you know, will he survive to the bye? Will he you know make it the full year? How many wins does he have to have at the end of the year before they consider keeping him again? Um, nobody can really answer those right now, especially since we didn't know who they were taking at number one until like 45 minutes before the draft started. So th- it's hard to figure out what the the decision making process is. But I got to think that this team cannot finish last. Uh, and had better get about six or seven wins uh, if he has any realistic job of coaching for a fourth year, uh, as, as inconceivable as that might seem right now with a 1-31 record. But uh, it is what it is.
5: Did he even have any say in who was drafted? Because it looked like he was as surprised as everybody else when people were getting picked because <laughs> I don't think he had any control at all over it. Is that the case? I, I do believe that he knew.
2: I do not think he had a whole lot of input into the process. Uh, I, I think this was a John Dorsey decision, I think, uh, with, with some help from Elliott Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith, and, and also fr- from Todd Haley, because he got hired in, and I think they knew that they, want, they wanted a guy that Haley was comfortable working with. And uh, let's hope that Mayfield is it for, for Browns fans' sakes, because uh, if it doesn't work there, uh, this whole regime is going to go away because you you don't take a controversial pick at number one and survive if that player doesn't work out.
1: And moving on there down the line to to Denzel Ward, why did the Browns actually pass on him? Pass sorry, pass on Bradley Chubb for Ward?
2: It was one of those things when I left the combine uh, in Indianapolis right at the beginning of March, I left there thinking that Denzel Ward was very much in play for the number four pick, uh, and I expressed that to a few people, and and the people who were there with me were all like. Yeah, you know what, That that's something that we've sort of, I, I won't say we've heard it, but it's something that that came up in relation with the Browns. And then it sort of went away. And everybody in Browns media fandom went to Micah Fitzpatrick or Bradley Chubb. Uh, I can tell you that Micah Fitzpatrick was never a serious consideration there. Ward, they like the idea of having a guy that they can leave on an island. And, and while they've spent an inordinate amount of resources this offseason in, in totally overhauling the cornerback positions, uh, th- they didn't feel like they had a legit number one guy. I don't think T.J. Carey is that guy, and I think T.J. Carey will tell you he's not that guy. Ward was that guy for Ohio State, which is a college which is producing an inordinate amount of very good NFL cornerbacks. He's not He's not Marshawn Lattimore, but uh, he. I think he's. he was better in college than Eli Apple, uh, better than Gary and Conley. And uh, if you can get past the fact that he's only 183 pounds... He's a really instinctive and savvy and smart and quick corner, and th- those are all things that are going to help him. Uh, I'm not sure how well he matches up against the likes of AJ Green or or even Antonio Brown, but uh, he he is something that they haven't had since uh, since Joe Hayden's rookie year before he started getting hurt and and still had that confidence and and swagger as a cover guy, and they want that. That's something that Greg Williams loves having. He loves that having being able to to eliminate one option. With one guy, uh, they haven't had that, and uh, that—that's a very appealing thought to him. I'm not sold that Ward is the guy, but uh, you have to respect their decision-making process, and the, and, and the fact that he's a local—he's—he's he's from Nordonia High School, which is a suburban Cleveland area thing, and uh, you know, went to Ohio State. I, I think I think that those were those were real feathers in his cap.
5: Well, you mentioned you know that you think Hugh's got to get six or seven wins in order to probably keep his job. With that in mind, where do you think the Browns actually finish this year? I know it's hard to give a prediction because, <laughs> yeah. you know, with the 1-31 deal going on, but, you know, they're, they're a totally different team now, and they've got a lot of talent. So where do you think realistically they could end up at the end of the season? I, I will say this. I think they are not the worst
2: team in the NFL. They're on the AFC North anymore. I, I, think, I think they will pass Baltimore, and I think they could catch Cincinnati wow. as well. Uh, I, I I happen to think that the Ravens are are on the precipice of a massive downfall, uh, and and the retirement of Ozzie Newsome, a legendary Brown, is is sort of symbolic of that. So I, I think the Browns can get to eight and eight and and compete for second place uh, with a resurgent Bengals team. I I do think the Bengals are going to get better, uh, and, and in another year challenge the Steelers for for If you look at the look at their defensive roster, uh, if you haven't looked at it, their defensive front seven. I'm not going to say it's as good as anybody because uh, y'all, you know, the Rams have a pretty dang good one there, too. Uh, but but the, the potential is there. The, there's such a young, fast, skilled defensive front. And and adding a guy like Demarius Randall uh, at free safety, he gives them a competent cover guy on the back end. They've overhauled the cornerbacks. The offensive line, while they lost Joe Thomas, is still solid. Bet, it's the highest paid guard-center-guard combination in the league. And I'd argue it's probably the best in the league, too. Uh, maybe Dallas has an argument there, but it, it's a very – they're really good in a lot of spots. They just haven't been good where they need it. And they're better now at those spots. Uh, they're better at pass rush. They're better at corner. They're better at quarterback. They're better at running back. Adding a guy like Brad, or uh, Nick Chubb, who I think gives them a whole lot of balance with Duke Johnson, uh, and bringing in Carlos Hyde. There really is good talent on this team. Enough talent that if you believed in their head coach, you'd think, God, this team could realistically challenge for a playoff berth. But – it's Hugh Jackson, and it's Cleveland. And as much as it pains me to say that, that's probably topping out at six wins.
5: Well, I I happen to live in Baltimore now, so I'll uh, I'll keep track of how that goes for you. Yeah, that 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 that, uh, that one could uh,
2: wind up on freezing cold takes sometime. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with that.
1: All right, Jeff, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You always give us good information, good analysis, and I hope we talk to you again this season.
2: Uh, that would be great. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, thanks. so much.
1: Guys, you can follow Jeff Risden at Jeff Risden on Twitter. He's also again the managing editor over there for Browns Wire, for Texans Wire. He's on a Lions podcast. Busy, busy man, and always revises good information. So hats off to him.
5: Let's take a let's do a quick word about our another sponsor. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis and has kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code Talk so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 to 6 p.m., And on Saturdays from 7 to 4 p.m., one more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it just to enjoy the Rams memorabilia there. But Sal also provides that old-school barbershop experience talking Rams football and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make Derek's blockhead and my funky-looking head appear, well, pretty much normal. Also, we're looking for sponsors for the 2018 NFL season. This is a great, inexpensive way to get the word out on your business. Our numbers are growing crazy fast right now, so get in early and we can save you some money. Reach out to us at ramstock1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We'll have a media kit ready to get it out to you right away. All right, so that's –
1: folks, You know, when you get a chance to support – our sponsors, they, these guys are Rams folks. Okay, so it's we are a Rams community. Um, we support each other. They help keep our lights on. They enable us to be able to bring content to you, and vice versa. And now we can turn around and hopefully give back to them. So please give them a, give them a shout out and give them an opportunity to you know earn your business. So, Norm, Jeff's comments were I think fairly optimistic. He's realistic about Hugh Jackson's chances, but he likes I think the destination, destination of this team in the future, what are your thoughts overall about what we can expect from the Cleveland Browns in the next two years?
5: Well, I really think they have the talent now to win it all. They really do. If they can put it all together and, you know, coach up who they need to coach up and the veterans step up that need to step up and, and just play football. And I think that's one of the things that they have to get over is, you know, we know it as Rams fans that it's really hard to get out of a losing mode, and they've been in it obviously worse than than most. So they got to pick it up, forget about the past, start playing quality football like they can, use the talent that they have, and if Hugh Jackson can can be that coach to put it together, they've got a real shot at, at actually doing pretty well this year, if not this year next year. But I, I just, I have my doubts about Hugh Jackson. I feel like the door's kind of been lubed up, and he's getting ready to get shoved right out of it. You said win it all, though. you I mean,
1: can you clarify what you mean by winning it all?
5: Well, they have the talent. I mean, if they had, if they had a coach in place that could coach the right way, and, and I don't think they have the, the talent to win it all this year. But I think they have the talent to win it all soon if they had the right coach in place and could put things together. They've got a young quarterback that I think is going to actually make it very well in the league. I'm pretty high on Baker Mayfield. They've got a very talented defense. They've got a very talented offense. And all they got to do is just put those pieces together and get them all to click and start, as we know, changing the culture. And I don't know that Hugh Jackson's the guy that can change the culture there. But if they can get a coach in, kind of similar to what Sean McVay did with the, with the Rams, if, if they could change that culture around and get these guys believing. I mean, think about the amount of number one picks and top ten picks they've had in the last four, five, six years. You know, they have the quality players on the team to do it. They have... Yeah,
1: but Norm, they, they, let, they trade a lot of those guys away. They, they, some of those guys are busts.
5: I mean, I agree
1: to a large extent with you. I mean, but when I look at changing the culture, I'm looking at Baker Mayfield. I think the reason why you take Baker Mayfield number one is because he has that attitude. When he walks onto a field, you everybody in that field believes he's going to win. That's the kind of guy you want to change your culture. And I don't think that Darnold or Josh Allen or Josh Rosen were the guys who could do what Baker Mayfield in that kind of setting. And I think that's one reason why the Browns took him.
5: Well, I, I agree with you there, but, I mean, come on, you can't tell me that you can't look at the Browns' roster and see who they've got on the team and believe they don't have the ability to go deep in the playoffs if they put it all together. Well, no, uh, I mean, I looked at,
1: I mean, I wrote an article about it last year for Clutch Points and saying that this team is a playoff team in two years, and then they blew—they totally blew up this last season.
5: Right, no, and, and like I said, they, they have the talent now if they could put it all together, which would be very difficult to do. And obviously I don't think Hugh Jackson's a guy to do that. And if they don't win right away, like he said, he's liable to be gone. And, you know, we might see a new head coach and it might change everything. I just think that they're a lot more talented than, you know, 1-31. One in, one in 31. And I certainly think they have a chance to go deep in the playoffs in the next couple of years if they can put it all together.
1: I just had a horrible thought, though. What if when they fire Hugh Jackson, they look at Greg Williams and go, hmm... <laughs> Fisher ball.
5: Yeah, we, we 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 had to kind of keep our mouth shut when Jeff was talking because, you know, we, we're pretty familiar with Greg Williams.
1: We are. And and Greg Williams, to me, we we talked about, you know, leading as cornerbacks on island. Yeah, we saw a lot of those island moments. We saw, he's mentioning Jabril Peppers being put out there, you know, to just kind of roam around the safety. How many times have you and I, we just complained about how soft the Rams are playing in zone defense sometimes? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I want to go. I'm just gonna, I'm getting ramps PTSD again. Okay, so all right, let's, let's move on. We just want to give our final thoughts there. We also want to shout out to our sponsor, our last one for the night. It's summertime in Southern California. It means sun, hot weather, visits to the pool. Well, if you're looking to remodel your pool or resurface or even put a new one in, check out Jayhawk Pool Plaster Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool Plaster Remodeling serves Orange County and the Southland, and they're run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk. He built this business on a mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. So just head on over to JayhawkPools.com take a look at their work. You can see their quality and their finishes, and the testimonies provided by their own customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, give Jayhawk a call at 714-695-695. 700 Again, that's 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at jhawkpools.com Folks, it's a great opportunity to support our podcast and help fellow members of the Rams family. If you live out in the area, give Jayhawk Pool Plaster a call. You'll be glad you did. All right, joining us now is Matt Danley from Stampede Blue. He's also the host of the Colts Cast Podcast. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing?
4: Great. Thank you guys for having me. Happy to be here
1: well outstanding this is our tour of the league we've heard a lot of different perspectives and there's one question for that we've been I know at least I know I've been wondering about from the Colts perspective is what is the status of a certain Andrew Luck Uh, and there were there were several different rumors that were spread last season about including one that he would never play again
4: (laughs) Uh, that doesn't appear to be the case so what's really going on with him it's kind of the same thing every time we you know hear about it I mean it's Last year, I mean, I, it, to put it in simplest terms, last year they thought he was going to play, uh, legitimately thought he was going to play. Something happened to, to take that off the tracks. You know, I mean, he apparently they said that he felt that he rushed it back a little bit, or I guess he said that. Um, and maybe he did, maybe he didn't. One way or another, just something just went wrong. You know, as of now, everything we've seen, and, and let's be clear about this. We've, you guys have seen pictures of him and video of him in the last, what, two, three weeks, right?
1: No, actually. No,
4: I, I haven't seen anything. Okay, well, th- th- there's been some out. I mean, it, a little bit as it, as far as uh, you know, kind of how he looks and stuff. He when he came back and he started throwing in October, he just looked like Andrew Luck. You know, kind of a slim guy, six three, six four. You know, lies He's a he's a mass massive guy for his size, and I mean I mean that in the in the realist terms of mass. You know, he's heavy. You know, for his size, he doesn't look like that, but that's that he's a big dude and. Since man, he's just he's jacked, you know what I mean, right now. And he didn't look anything like that in October when he was when he came back. He came back in October, threw some balls. Uh, they they felt and he felt that you know he wasn't ready to go, so they they shut him down. Something was up. They fixed you know, they've gone through uh, Tom or he's gone through Tom House's uh, whole whole situation here where he teaches guys basically to get their arm strength up to get everything done it's a really long process and it, it gets it, it gets him stronger in every way shape or form and a lot of people are making the, the issue about the fact that he hasn't thrown a football you know for so long or whatever it is but i, I just i i just don't even see it. i've gotten to the point to, just to to kind of put it down i i've gotten to the point where i don't even qualify it anymore as if andrew luck's healthy this year he's coming back he's gonna play um, he, he's, he's going to be ready to go. I don't necessarily believe every time I hear that he's not throwing footballs yet. Is he not throwing footballs at practice? Yeah, probably not. But I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I have no, I just don't believe that he's not been throwing the football, uh, or something. You know what I mean? They, they have this. And, and if you guys have ever seen the video of this, it's really cool where Tom House has this thing and it's almost, it, it almost uh, resembles like a, uh, a weight in a sock. I don't know oh. how else to explain it. But it, it just, it's a repetitive motion. And he uses it with pitchers as well. And apparently all the pitchers that he has used, uh, his his methods, have come back and, and been fantastic. You know what I mean? And their, their arm strength's been gone. He I mean, even had a guy who had several pins in his elbow and stuff and was actually relegated to coaching a high school team, came back, who had never gone into above a ball in baseball, came all the way back made it to the majors with Seattle uh, with it just like two years after that. So I mean, it, it's an it's a long, lengthy process. It's it, it's kind of it, 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 I understand why people are so aggravated about it because it seems like it's been forever and it's been the topic of conversation for just as long. Um, but I have no I have no issues or, or thoughts that he won't return this year. I just we don't know specifics. We're not going to know specifics until he starts throwing a ball. Then they're going to let him talk. They don't even let him talk. You know what I mean? And so when they do, we're going to know more, maybe, maybe it's not like they're this forthcoming with Andrew Luck, everything else, you know, Chris Ballard is pretty upfront about he, he talks, he, 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 whatever he says, you know, he, he's, we've seen him thus far come through, if that makes any sense, he, he's following through with what he says, he's a guy we can trust. With Andrew Luck, they've been almost radio silence, you know, as far as that. It's just kind of, we'll answer the questions, basic, you're going to get this. But all of them seem very confident and almost, like I said, almost to the point where they're not qualifying it anymore. They definitely believe Andrew Luck is coming back this year. Like I said, they did believe that last year as well. It's just one of those things where something went wrong and uh, it just didn't happen. Now, he waits. There's this one thing that you said
1: there, kind of, you don't believe he's not throwing the ball.
4: No, I don't, personally, no.
1: All right. I mean, I I just take him as being the ultimate competitor. Him sitting around not throwing a football would be be against his nature.
4: Right, and that's kind of where I am about it. I just, like you said, I mean, he's just such a competitive guy. He is a quarterback. He throws passes. He throws footballs. The guy's throwing, I mean, I, I know that if I was Andrew Luck, and I was in the situation he's in, and I had arms that look like him now. He's never looked as big as he does right now, his arms, never, never, not even close. It's not even, it's not even uh, in the same ballpark. He has to be throwing something. And that, I'm not saying that because that's how his arms are getting bigger. It's through the process of what his workout has been that have gotten his arms bigger. But I just have to, you just have to believe like he's throwing, even if it's five, 10 yard passes, just back and forth, just to get his arm, you know, moving again, him. He has to, he has to be, he's a pro quarterback.
5: Well, the Colts brought in a new head coach this year and Frank Reich. What, Mm -hmm. what did uh, he do to impress the Colts and, and how has the the fan base accepted him?
4: The Fan base has opened, uh, you know, welcomed him with open arms, I think. And and I think that Frank's a guy who one of the draws towards McDaniels fan base wise, the, the fan base was not a big fan of McDaniels just in general, but, they were, and this is kind of where I stood as well. I, I really was excited to see what McDaniel's could do with Luck, some of the pieces they've got, Marlon Mack, you know, some some of that stuff. More or less, just I want to see how he can really turn this offense up a notch, you know. And I think when all that went away, a lot of people felt relieved that, that uh, McDaniel's was not in the picture anymore. But when you get to a guy like Reich, he he's a guy that you've seen what he's done. At uh, Philly, though, he didn't call plays he has in the past. He's taken he has so many, so many different areas where he's taken knowledge, offensive knowledge, and he's bringing it all into his offense. And there are so many things that he can do with this offense. He's got a lot of the pieces that he needs to work with. Uh, Thinking about Philly's offense, just in general, a lot of what he's going to be doing is is coming from their system. You know, he's got a back in Mac. He's going to have a really fun toy to play with in Naheem Hines. He's going to have Jack Doyle who can play the H-back or play the inline blocker. He can even, you know, catch balls. He's got Eric Ebron as an excellent, excellent weapon. I mean, we know the the stories that people have said about him that he's having issues or he has issues catching the ball and stuff, but he's electric. I mean, a lot of what they're going to be able to do is what Frank is trying to do with this offense. He doesn't want it to be predictable, which it won't, and he doesn't want anybody – in this offense to get uh, comfortable. You know what I mean? He wants these guys to fight and battle and, and become really solid players through this competition that Ballard's been preaching for the past year and a half already. Um, I, I think that, what I think that he, I, honestly, there was a lot of people when Reich was hired that thought that, or before Reich was hired, excuse me, thought that Reich was definitely in the mix. When he wasn't one of the candidates that they came out with, a lot of people were really surprised about it. You know, that they thought that he was uh, like a shoe in at a minimum for a candidate to be the the Colts head coach. And when he wasn't, it was a bit of a surprise. May- I, we thought that maybe Boward just had tunnel vision on McDaniels. But as you saw everything afterwards, the process moved really quickly. It was pretty much straight to Reich. Reich was his guy. And I'd, Reich has a bit of a, a past with the Colts. You know, he was actually on the staff when Peyton Manning started. You know and all I mean he's just he's just the right guy, in my opinion. He's a guy who's going to come in and be able to command the roster. He's going to be able to take everybody for what their strengths and weaknesses are, try to smooth and polish up their weaknesses, and he's going to accentuate their their strengths. He's going to put people in position to succeed. And I don't think that there are very many people that uh, believe that in the past that was the case with the Chuck Pagano. Uh, coaching staff the ryan grigson as the gm a lot of the people in indianapolis really want to see a coach and a gm who legitimately want to see the best 11 players on the field every single sunday and i think that that is something that Reich was preaching my guess was that he spoke about that in his interview like look i don't care who these guys are i want to be i want to see who the top players are each and every sunday And we're going to get those guys, and we're going to have them. They're and they're going to be, you know, for lack of better words, they're going to be ass kickers, or they're not going to be on this roster.
1: Now, you mentioned the roster itself. The Colts were quite busy in free agency. So, what was their best signing, and what was their biggest loss, if any?
4: Mm, I think, I think, honest. If we're going with uh, what what could have been for this roster this year, I think the biggest loss was actually probably uh, Melvin. Just because he played so well last year, he is an older guy, you know, as far as for the position getting into 30. And I think that that could be considered possibly the biggest loss. I think that he was a, a good piece. He would have been a good uh, corner and off man. A lot of the zone that's going to be coming into this new scheme under Matt Everflus, Um, I think that he would have been a good guy to, to have in. However, he was wanting way too much. The Colts weren't wanting to give him. What he was asking from them, he took apparently quite a bit less to go to Oakland. So I think he was just trying to drive up the price, and obviously Ballard wasn't having it. As far as the you know free agency signings, I, I think there's you know there's a couple because I, I think you have to be almost impressed with kind of the guys he's brought in as of late. You know Chris McCain, a, a guy who's a two a 235 pound defensive end. Uh, a lot of people were like, what is he, you know, is he a, is he a or what is he, you know, but you know, he's going to be, you know, a designated pass rusher, I think. And I think that that's a lot of fun for people to, to consider, to think about a guy who's going to be in the rotation, who's going to have nothing else to do, but go after the quarterback. And a lot of people really, really like the thought of that. Right. And I think Najee good actually was one of the better signings because he is a true Mike uh, for the defense is going to be implemented here. He's got a lot of familiarity with it. You know, he's got familiarity with Frank Reich. I think that was a really a uh, quality signing that I think kind of went under the radar. But there, there's there, there's a few of them. I think that I think that his approach to free agency, and I'm talking about Chris Ballard here, was really smooth. I mean, he he didn't go after the big time names. He ended up. You know, we could have gotten Norwell. I think at, at some point he decided to go. You know, after. Uh, Nelson in the draft and I think that that was kind of what we heard from him as far as what his approach was through the offseason look I he was the only guy that he went to his pro day and that was no mistake now now Boward can downplay it and say that it was because of you know that it was a close drive you know up to South Bend uh, from Indianapolis but I think that we all kind of know that like that's that's the guy you know that's who he was going to go after and 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 that was his his target but I think that his free agent approach was really, you know, smooth. He he was uh, bringing in some linemen that didn't sign. He didn't want to pay the top dollar for somebody who's not a top time, uh, you know, a premier player. And I think that I think that he did really well with it in general. I think that his free agency in his offseason season was, is kind of uh, underappreciated. Not so much that you're you're not getting a bunch of big in, impact players. You know, you're getting some guys who are going to fit well with what they're trying to do. And I think we saw a lot of that with the draft, too.
5: Yeah, I was very impressed with the draft this year for the Colts. What was the mindset of the front office for the Colts as far as the draft is concerned? And are you comfortable with what the Colts did? And what do you think their best and worst picks were?
4: Well, let's, let's start with their approach. Their approach was basically, just like Ballard has told us, he's going to go after both sides of the line because if you don't have that, you're not good in the trenches. in the trenches, you're not a good football team plain and simple. And he's right about that. Uh, A lot of people wanted, you know, kind of that uh, that that pass rusher or, you know, there was a couple guys that were available uh, when the Colts were picking. Instead, he chose to reinforce the offensive line, go after some true scheme players in this and some guys who can really light it up. Like, you know, I think that uh, I think that the Darius Leonard pick is really undersold right now. A lot of people are saying, well, I don't understand that. You know, but he is—he is, he is the, the embodiment of the will position for this new four-three scheme. I mean, he is an athletic guy. He's super fast. He's an athletic guy. He fights through blocks. I watched a lot of film on him after. It, it was funny because he was one of the few guys that I really didn't know anything about come draft. Honest, you know, honestly, and I was kind of interested to see what he was bringing because a lot of people were downplaying the pick. And I thought Leonard was an excellent pick after watching as much film as I could watch after or post draft. Um, I think that he's, he's perfect for that. He's not a guy who's going to, you know, uh, really go after and, and try to uh, bust holes through the, the offensive line of the, of the other team. You know, that's not what his style of play is. He is, like I said, the true embodiment of the will linebacker position. He's a guy who's going to be able to chase in pursuit. He's a strong guy. He's smart. He's always got his eyes on the ball carrier, he can shed blocks. He's really a nice pick. I think, obviously, that Nelson was a really good pick and, and probably the best pick if you look at it uh, in terms of skill. Naheem Hines is going to be one of everybody's favorite picks here in a couple years, not just Colts fans either, because they're going to love watching him play. He's a guy, I mean, he's what, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, the dude's got like 4'3", something speed. He's he's an electric player. He's a guy who can catch out of the backfield. He's a hell of a pass blocker too which i didn't really expect uh until i watched a little bit more on him but he's got the he's got the big playability. he's a guy who doesn't care if he goes in between the tackles or on the outs you know he doesn't mind running a man or his own scheme he just doesn't care and he's good and he's i mean legitimately good and one of the things that reich wants to do is he wants to be able to implement these guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield and run the ball uh like i talked about earlier is unpredictability he wants Marlon Mack, he wants Naheem Hines, and he wants anybody else who's in the backfield back there, basically, to be able to keep the defense on their toes enough to where they can be in any play on any down and be able to be effective. I, I have a hard time really picking out my favorite pick. Uh, I, I I talked about and did a lot of film work on Taquan Lewis, and for what the Colts are wanting to do and what he can legitimately offer in his rookie season, I think he might be my favorite pick because he's a guy who was billed as an edge rusher coming out, and he's really not going to play that role in the Colts' defense. He's going to be an interior. He's going to be a three-tech probably uh, coming in. He's going to be a guy who's shooting gaps. He's he, If you watch his film, he's he's okay as an edge rusher. He's, he's all right. I mean, he's got the length. He's he's jacked, too. He, he's a really strong guy. He's got some explosion. But where his explosion really sets him apart and where he actually – uh, is a uh, a mismatch for the offense, is when they push him inside and he's an interior pass rusher. He's a guy who can collapse that pocket really quick from the interior, and that's probably one of the, my favorite things uh, about what they've done.
1: Hey, Mac, can you do me a favor? Can you uh, tell Norm what college Taquan Lewis went to?
4: <laughs> I have a feeling this is a, a personal thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do I need to say it, Norm? No. Uh, no. Okay. All right.
4: Cover covered up. Headphones <laughs> off. Is he,
1: is he flipping me off? Okay. No, All right, so. no comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and you mentioned Darius Leonard. I actually had a question ready for you, and you and you answered it. And I watched. I I wrote the article on Darius Leonard for our site. I watched the film on him, and everything you saw is what I saw. Mm-hmm. Pursuit movement, and so I like that pick for them. It's. I think it's going to pan out really well. So here's our last question for you. And this, I guess this is the big one. All right. Do the Colts have enough on this roster? They filled enough holes to make a return to the playoffs contention. Or, and where do they fit in the division right now?
4: Oh, that's, you know, that's one of the things that really makes it difficult. I mean, it's a really difficult question to answer, my man. And it really is because you look at so many different things. I mean, could they make it to the playoffs? I mean, yes, they could. Are they structured right now to be able to do it? No. And why? I mean, it, Ballard's not done adding, in my opinion. He's still going to be adding pieces. He's basically his his entire drive through this offseason is to bring the bottom, the median talent level up. You know, get rid of the, the – kick out the, the, the uh, guys who are, who are on the bottom of the totem pole and bring that requisite ability to play – uh, up on the roster, and I think he's doing that. And I think that that's obviously the idea behind a lot of what you know any GM would want to do with their roster. Um, Andrew Luck can take any team to the playoffs. I, I, I totally believe that, and that's not me being a homer. That that's I just think that that's reality. Uh, on the other hand, he's going to have you know some creaks, and he's going to have a lot of rust to shake off when he comes into the league again and when they come back they're you know he's going to be learning this new offense again you know he's had several offensive coordinators done pretty good with the tr- transitions up to this point in his career but I think this one is not going to be any more difficult than the others while it's also going to be in a situation where he hasn't played football in a year and a half and he's looking at everything is going to be so much faster for him it's going to it might even honestly be a little bit more of a, of a difference from the time when he came out of college to the pros as a rookie. And I think that that would definitely be the case when you've got your – I mean, it's just going to be a difficult stretch, I think, the first month, month and a half. So in that regard, I don't think that the Colts have – they're not built right now to make it to the playoffs. But Andrew Luck comes back and, and goes on a streak. There's definitely a lot of ability there to do it. And I think that he's got some really solid players, uh, playmakers on offense – They've got a sneaky good defense right now. I mean, it's not a lot. People have completely discounted their 2017 draft class due to Malik Hooker being injured and being out. Quincy Wilson was screwed over by Pagano, Um, so a lot of those guys didn't really see the field as much as they should have. I like what they did this often or this uh, this draft with the defense, especially. the 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 real issue is finding that that Mike and finding and figuring out real, really if Nate Hairston is that lockdown nickel corner. In terms of the rest of the AFC South man, this is where this is ultimately where it stands. The the rest of the AFC South over the past couple of years have have taken it up a notch. The Jaguars have been successful in the offseason. The Titans have been better, you know, they've had a, they had a nice draft this this year as well. And the Texans, you know, Deshaun Watson, a quarterback. Now, every team still uh, is you know has, has their quarterback, uh, except the Jaguars, I think. But the Jaguars proved that they could get to the AFC title game last year without one. So, I mean, you know, they, they've got a lot to work with as well. Um, but those guys those guys bumping up last year and over the course of the past couple of years, the Colts are really kind of on the bottom and in the middle trying to find their way. There is a, there's an avenue for them to get to the playoffs. There's an avenue for them to win the AFC South. I don't think that that's in the cards this year. I think that those teams not only got better the past couple of years, this year they all got better. The Colts are trying to get better, and I just I just don't think they're in position to do it this year. Andrew Luck is the wild card, though. You know, he's taken worse rosters to the playoffs. I just don't know if he's done it when the rest of the division was as good and, and, and competitive as they are right now.
1: All right, so let's just add on here. I know I, I said last question, but I kind of want to zero in. Mm-hmm. What's your predicted win total then?
4: I think I had him at eight and eight a few weeks. Eight and eight. Yeah, and I okay. I think that that's I think that's fair, only because you just never know how a season's going to turn out, right? They could be a game uh, a game or two worse than that. They could be a game or two better than that, and a lot of that depends on other teams' injuries. You know, the course of the season, how everything goes. You just never know what's going to happen. I, I think that somewhere around five hundred, give or take a game or two, I think is is a pretty good. Uh, pretty good spot for them.
5: I think the odds are that if luck comes back, stays healthy this year, knocks the rest off. With the the draft you guys had the last two years, and the players that you brought in, I think it's probably more realistic to think they're contenders next year. And mm-hmm. and this year, it's possible that they could do so. But I think I think what they're really focusing on is is next year. Is that sure. fair to say?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I, it would be a surprise this year if they win. You know, I and I think in in virtually everybody's eyes, and I think that uh, like you said, I, I do think that uh, uh, that that is definitely norm what what they're trying to do. They 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 want this rebuild not for this year. They don't want it for next year. They want it for the next five, six, seven years, and you've got to do that one piece at a time. And next year, I think that they are targeting uh, a realistic run for the, the 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 playoffs because there's a lot. You look at the free agents for 2019. And I can tell you right now that Chris Ballard's got his eyes on a few of those guys. I mean, uh, maybe even you know some of the offensive line, but there's certainly a couple defenders that are going to be coming open, and there's going to be some other guys that are available. And I think that that's really where uh, Chris Ballard's going to make his money next year, next off season, for sure.
1: All right, Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming to the show. You'll log information for us, folks. You can give him a follow at Matt, or sorry M Danley S B on Twitter. Also. Follow his his sites at Stampede Blue, mm-hmm. and his podcast at SB Colts Cast. Good stuff, lots of information. I hope that the, uh, this time next year when we do our next tour. You'll come back on the show and talk with us some more.
4: Absolutely, anytime, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Absolutely.
1: So, I I was really impressed with the, the draft that they had, and I I kind of in line with what Matt was saying and what, what you're saying, they're, they're putting the pieces together. And the thing that really frustrates me about the Colts is that the Colts, they blew it. They, they really blew it with Peyton Manning. They, for years, they just relied on Peyton Manning to get them placed. Didn't fill in the roster behind him with talent. And then when he's gone, the team collapses. And then they, they, they literally get lucky. They get Andrew Luck. They did it again. They got the playoffs with no real roster behind him. And I think just judging from the sound of the conversation here and looking at the draft class, I think the Colts have finally figured it out. they got to do more than just rely on a quarterback.
5: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that they're really focusing on getting this team as good as they can this year, but they're focusing on years two and three under Frank Reich. And I think they've done a really good job of doing that. I think their draft this year was phenomenal, probably one of the best out of the all 32 teams, in my opinion. And uh, I think we'll be talking about the Colts in the next couple of years, pretty heavy.
1: And I, I couldn't help but want to ask him about the Buffalo Bills in the Houston Oilers game, the big comeback, and see if you know this. Does Frank Reich ever mentioned that game? Does he ever like walk in and go, "I have the greatest comeback in NFL history"? <laughs> I just wonder. Probably not. Of course not. But, you know, when you have the greatest comeback in NFL history, how could you not want to talk about it? Once in a while, anyways. Sure. <laughs> I mean, just, you know. But then again, I'm, I've never thrown an NFL pass, so ain't just throwing one pass would make me throw. Okay. Anyways, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rams talk. We also have a group there because, regrettably, for whatever Facebook's doing with their algorithm, algorithms are killing our numbers. So if you want to make sure you get our stuff, either – Go to your preferences, and make our page a priority, or join the Rams Talk Room. It's our person. It's our. It's our group. We have a page, and then we have a group. Join the group, and you can always get our stuff. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at DC Apollo Norm at Norm Hightower. And again, don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, I already all those places, all those places. And one more thing, just let this be the last thought before we sign off. We're getting close to 2018. We're looking for writers. We're looking for people who would want to get involved in the podcast. We're looking for folks who, somebody who could take my job actually as a managing editor so I can go on and do other things for our company here and edit these guys. So if you want to experience those things, if you want to learn the game, reach out to us, ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. We'll be glad to talk to you. Send us a resume. If you're a writer, give us a small writing sample. You know what we, we want to make sure you, you don't write in just like crayon or something. We want to make sure you can actually write. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'll teach you, but we want to know where you're starting. Hey, and, I, I wrote
5: in crayon, and you except me.
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, <laughs> if you if you can look at someone's copy and you can see, like, you know, I can teach this person, then you're good to go. Believe it or not, folks, we have had people I couldn't teach. Makes me sad. So, anyways. Email us if you're interested. We would love to talk to you about joining the staff. I, I, as soon as school lets out for me, I'll be calling you back and so on and so forth. Any final thoughts, Norm?
5: Nope. Just uh, bring on the season. It's ready to go. You can't get here any sooner.
1: For Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Paul. Take it easy.
5: Adios.
3: This episode is sponsored by Schwanz.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm. Good question.